0: Hello, and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash new song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at post office box 761 Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day.
1: I want to talk to you about a very important subject today and it's called passion. Think about that for a minute. I'm going to be talking to you about what that means. Uh, Rick, turn me up just a little bit and I can pull this away. Thank you. You know, when I went to college Eastern New Mexico University from 1966 to 1970. And uh, Liz was there. We were both in choirs. She was a year behind me. I-, I noticed her, but I was probably already dating somebody else, and maybe she was too. But eventually came to where w- we got together. It was really the Lord. We We didn't know that. I didn't know the Lord at all. But it didn't take long for something to develop between she and I, at least on my part, it was called passion. And it was funny because we got married in Albuquerque at a Presbyterian Church. Uh, they wouldn't let me see her all that day. As you know, that's the way weddings are. And so we all lined up. I had my best man, she had her bridesmaid, we had uh, my mom and dad, her mom and dad, was all there and some visitors. And so, when it got time for the bride to come out, she appeared with her dad in the back of the sanctuary, and there she was. She was wearing a white dress, she had a white veil, and you won't believe this, but the first thought in my mind was, that is mine. Do what? Well, she just did. I said, That is mine. And uh, I still feel that way today. And somebody were to try to take her from me, they'd be in bad trouble. It's called passion. Passion. Now, I want all of you who's married in here? You got your mate with you today? Okay, I want you to look in the eyes of your mate right now. now don't say anything in your mind I want you to ask this question do I still love him or her the same way I did when we got married something happens to us something comes to try to steal our passion away we are creatures of not wanting to put much effort out okay you remember if you had a pickup truck and you get your girlfriend, hey, slide over here, you know, you didn't have those center consoles, slide over here and sit by me. And then you got married in a month or two or 10 months, whatever went by. What do you, get back over there by your side of the truck. Something happens, it changes your, it's not that you don't love each other anymore, but something happens. What happens? And I, I'm i not gonna ask anybody to raise their hand. I just want you today in this in this message I want you to every time I make a statement I want you to ask yourself is that me do I need to work on that the passion I haven't discussed yet is your passion for the lord I told you the story of the, my roommate giving me a copy of Hal Lindsey's Late Great Planet Earth I was uh, I was into drugs I had hair down past my shoulders I was I was not a nice person and uh, he, he kind of threw that book at me in my room because we were headed home for the Christmas holidays. And he said, here, I thought you might enjoy that. I said, yeah, I'll read anything. Didn't even know what it was. When I got home, I opened the book and started reading it. It was a total new concept for me because I'd never been in church in my life. No church. Didn't, I mean, I, I believe there was a God, but I didn't know him. Had no idea who Jesus was. Didn't know the story of the crucifixion. Didn't. Didn't know why he had to die. And I didn't get all of that in in the book. What I got, which touched my... You see, God touches your heart, every one of you, in a different way because you're different people. The first message that I got wasn't the cross and the crucifixion. It was chapter 11 in that book called The Ultimate Trip. And it's a story of the rapture when Jesus comes in the clouds And there's a sound of a trumpet and a choir in the background. And the power, the power, the supernatural power that you're going to feel when when you see him in the clouds is going to blow your mind. The Bible says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be taken up into the air with them to meet the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what touched me. That's what got a hold of me. I had never heard that in my life. I never heard that Jesus was coming back, didn't even know who he was. And it touched me, it grabbed me. And from that moment forward, there began to develop a passion in my life for the things of God. I couldn't get enough that first year after by the way, I was at my mom's house when that happened. They were watching football, you know how the holidays are. And I got up. Nobody even saw me leave. I got up, took that book, went into my mother's living room. It was dark in there. I sat on the couch. I turned the book over upside down, and I was weeping. Didn't want anybody to see me weeping. And oh, by the way, uh, how many of you were here last Tuesday night? See, I keep telling you you ought to come to church because we had a real rodeo last Tuesday night. If you'd have been here, you could have seen your pastor fall off the stage over here, slam my back on the side of this bass speaker, and land on my face over here on the floor. It was great, wasn't it? I got a bruise in my back about this big. But I don't think the ribs broke and I can press on it. It doesn't hurt. So, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Anyway. I began to develop a passion for the things of God. That first year, uh, you know, I gave my life to the Lord on that couch. I said, said, Lord, such as I am. And I didn't think he would take me. I said, Lord, I I give you my life. And I, I thought he would say no. And you know what he said to me? I'll take you just like you are. He'll take you just like you are. I said, but Lord, what about the things I've been doing the last three or four years, the drugs and and, and the sex and all that stuff? I'll take you just like you are. It was the acceptance. It was God's acceptance of me, just like I was, that drew me one step closer to the passion that I was beginning to feel rolling up inside of me. And I gave my heart to Him. He took me. That first year, my first Bible was Good News for Modern Man. It was a paperback. I probably read that thing 15 times. I got other Bibles, the King James, the New King James, whatever they were, and I read those 10 times. That first year, I probably read the Bible, no kidding, probably 30, 40 times. Front to back. Soaking in everything I could get about the things of God. Some things I didn't understand. I saw a God who was full of mercy, but I also saw a God who was not playing games. God's not going to play games with you. If you give your life to Him, you can expect Him to come and deal with you. I like that word deal. He deals with you. Why? Because God has a plan for your life, and He can't leave you in the condition that He found you in. He wants to change you. He wants to mold you and shape you into his image. And sometimes that's hard because when you're new with the Lord, you begin to realize you've got ideas and things that are not his ideas. In fact, they're not pleasing to him. And he wants you to change. And there's something inside of you that rises up that doesn't want to change. There's parts of you like just the way they are. God says, no, we're gonna change that. We're gonna take, the, I told you about the roll of toilet paper. I, I saw a vision uh, one night. Uh, I was praying about, oh, God, how, what are you gonna do in my life? I saw a vision of a, of a hand holding a, one of those two-ply uh, uh, toilet paper rolls. And this hand threw that roll and it started rolling and I noticed it had writing on both sides. And it rolled, and it rolled, and it rolled. And I said, God, what is that? What's all that writing? He said, that's what's wrong with you. I wrote it down. I said, Lord, how long is it going to take to get get rid of that? You know what he said? All of your life. He'll get victory over an area in your life, and then he will come, and he'll say, we're going to move to the next one. And when you, if you respond to him, and you, you are suc- successful with him, he'll come to you and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now I trust you a little more. Here's a little bit more responsibility. You see, he's got sheep out there that are dying. And you know what they need? They need you. They need your voice. They need your testimony. They need your willingness to stand up and tell them what God did in your life. And you're afraid because you think you're going to be rejected and you will be rejected sometimes. My brother threw me out of his house. Don't ever come in here and talk about Jesus again. Today I'm his pastor. If you stick with something and you're bold, and you, listen to me, you let the passion, the passion of God rise up inside of you and come out of your mouth and it gets all over everybody and they start getting excited and their passion begins to build and they go and share it with someone else and it's like a, it's like a giant ball that just keeps rolling. People get saved, people get healed. Why? Because you allow God to use you. Those gifts, they're listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Those are your gifts. They're gifts to you. And some of you haven't even reached out and said, Lord, could, I, could you use me in the gift of prophecy? Or, or Lord, could you use me in the gift of healing? Ask him. Ask and you shall receive, the Bible says.
0: I ask God for all of
1: them. And there's some in there that are pretty mighty. The gift of knowledge, that's the ability to know something you couldn't have possibly known in your own mind. I I see somebody, I've never seen them in my life. God tells me something about them. And I I stop them and I say, look, God told me to tell you this. And they start weeping because they know I don't know them and I couldn't have known possibly what I was telling them. Sometimes when God uh, tells me something that's really sensitive or personal, in a prayer line, I have to take them and say, y'all, y'all, be, y'all just wait, and I'll take them over in a corner, and very quietly, because God is not interested in embarrassing you, he doesn't want you to feel bad when you come to a meeting, he wants you to feel better, I took a, a lady over in a corner, never saw her in my life, and I said, oh, ma'am, I don't want to embarrass you, it's just hurt, nobody could hear us. The Lord told me, you've had an abortion. She started wailing. You see, ever since that had happened to her, she was unable to get get over it. She She couldn't give it to God. It was eating her lunch. And the devil, see the devil, he can't come and jump on you, but there's one weapon he has. It's a lying tongue. The devil can come sit here on your shoulder and just feed lies into your ear, your spiritual ear. And if you listen to it, if you receive it, you're sunk. And let me tell you how to uh, tell what a lie is. Anything the devil, or any voice for that matter, tells you that that deals with uh, you being told that that you're no good, uh, you ought to kill yourself, uh, God hates you, God couldn't possibly love you, that's not God. God said, John, I'll take you just like you are. I'll take you just... Listen, look at me. God will take every one of you in here. Samantha, he'll take you just like you are. Because he loves you. And you know why? He made a decision to love you. He had a passion for you before you had a passion for him. Before, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world, he knew you. He knew your name. You weren't even born yet. He knew your name. He knew, he knew how many hairs are, are, are on your head this morning or how many are missing, Patrick. <laughs> God knew you, and he had a plan for your life, and he made a decision right there. I love you, and I will never change my mind. I love you and you and you and you. I'll never change my mind. You are my daughter. You are my son. I will die for you, and that's exactly what he did. We have the only real God. The only real God is the one who would, who would die for you, would shed his blood for you, would allow the creatures that he created to kill him so that you could have eternal life. How degrading could that be to ha- have people that he made in the first place to had the power to come and beat him with strips of flesh being ripped off of his back, blood everywhere, nails driven through his hands and his feet, degrading, nailing him to a cross and putting him up as a public spectacle. How degrading? Why did he do it? He didn't have to. He could have snapped his fingers and, and yelled, and God would have sent a legion of angels. They would have wiped out everybody on Calvary. They would have taken him down off that cross, putting him in a fiery chariot, just like they did Elijah, and taken him off into heavens and leaving you and I here alone to die permanently. But he didn't do that. You know why? Because he had passion for you. This is not sex we're talking about. It's passion. It's like, you mothers know what I'm talking about because when you have a baby, I remember when John was born, he weighed 11 pounds. You, you see my wife, little thing, 11 pounds. She, The doctor, I uh, met him in the elevator. He said, Mr. Burke, uh, I got some bad news. Your wife, I, got, I, got, I, got, I, got, I got what? Your wife can't possibly have this baby naturally. Well, I was weeping. Well, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, don't get nervous, he said. We're going to do a C-section, and she'll be just fine. Well, what? Are you sure? She'd been in labor over 30 hours. They took her back in there, and I went to the waiting room, and pretty soon the doors, double doors of the, of the surgery suite opened, and here comes two nurses with a a four-wheel cart and a plastic tray, smoky tray. wasn't even a blanket in there. And here's this thing squirming around inside that tray. And the first thing I did, I was counting his fingers and his toes to make sure they were all there, and the nurse slapped me on the back. She said, oh, stop that. He's perfect. And your wife's in excellent condition. Everything's perfect. But something happened between him and me as I looked down into that tray, I developed a passion for what was in it. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't real beautiful. They hadn't even wiped him clean yet. He, I'm serious. He was a mess. They wanted to, in fact, my wife said, you, you need to take him out there so my husband can meet him. So they took him back, and, and I went back to the waiting room, and I went into the bathroom. Back then, the waiting room was right here, and the bathroom was right here. So I needed to go in there and weep. So I went in there and locked the door. I turned on all the faucets of the sink, and I kept flushing the toilet so nobody could hear me weep. Uh, John, you got a little problem with your toilet paper there. It's probably my fault. So I remember, I remember, The next day, they put him in that room, you know, and you stay outside, and there's a a glass window. (laughs) Knock that off. There's a glass window. You know what I'm talking about, and you can look through there and see all the babies. And there were two teenage girls standing beside me. We were looking at all the babies, and they were going down the line. There was like 12 of them in there or something. I don't know. And they got to John Wesley, and they said, one of them said, how'd that six-month-old baby get in here? <laughs> Eleven pounds. Passion. So you ladies know what I'm talking about. When the first time they brought your child to you, if you were breastfeeding, uh, they tell me that's a spiritual experience that you, you never... Uh, experience again and your, your child is breastfeeding and you're there's, there's suddenly this connection that's being drawn together between you and your baby is that right? And it's a connection that can never be broken it's a connection that would cause every one of you ladies to give your life for your child and that's why as babies grow up and they, they begin to walk and run and play And they're outside and they fall on the sidewalk and bust their knee and it's bleeding and they run into the house. They're not looking for dad. They're looking for my, where is my mommy? Don't touch me, dad. Where's mommy? Right? Because there is a connection there of passion. Children have passion for their mothers and their fathers to a degree. But there is a connection there that can't be broken. And that's the connection that God has for you. In Revelation 2 4, it says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. He's talking about Jesus. If you've ever been divorced, and I'm not judging you if you have, you remember the passion you had, but then uh, days, weeks, months went by. Something happened that broke that connection. Uh, you begin to argue and yell. And now all of a sudden, your wife, your husband is not your first love anymore. In fact, you can't—you can't wait to figure out a way to get out of that relationship. I've lost count of the number of people and couples that I have uh, counseled that have been through that. It's hurtful. It's painful. In Revelation, look at chapter 3, verse 15. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Folks, that's pretty frightening. God expects you to be on fire for Him. You've heard that statement many times. There's a church that's on fire. Now, some people are put off by on-fire churches. I had a guy in my office the other day. In fact, he's one of the detectives here in Carlsbad. And uh, I asked him if he was a Christian. He said, yeah, I need be going. he'd been going to a Baptist church, but he kind of backslidden. And he was asking about this church, and I, he, I said, we're a charismatic church. He didn't even know what that was. I said, well, charismatic comes from the Greek word charisma, which means gifts. And I said, we, uh, we believe in the excitement of the Lord. We believe that the gifts are still operating, including speaking in tongues. Oh, and he looked at me. And, and I, so I got my Bible, Mark 16, 17, red letter edition. It means Jesus was the one that spoke it. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. No deadly thing will hurt them, including poison and snakes. And if they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Now, that doesn't mean that we have a box of snakes back here. Those people in Arkansas are doing that and they're dropping dead. Because that's not what that scripture is supposed to mean. That you bring snakes into your service? Well, that will be comforting for your visitors. Pull out a big rattlesnake. Let's get real, folks. What does it mean? It means when Paul was being uh, taken to Rome, They shipwrecked, washed up on a a beach on an island. They told him to start a fire. He's a prisoner. So he gets a fire going. He sees a big pile of wood down the beach. He goes down there and picks it up and brings it, throws it on the fire. Little did he know that inside that bundle of wood was a cobra, an asp, A-S-P. And that snake reached out and didn't just bite Paul. It attached itself to him. And anybody knows anything about snakes will tell you that when a snake does that, he's giving you all he's got. Now, the pagan Romans back then thought that if you got snake bit, that was a judgment of the, quote, gods. They were judging you, and you would fall dead, and that would be the end of it. So they're all back up a step or two, and they're watching Paul, and they're expecting him to fall dead. He's still putting wood on the fire. He takes the snake, and he shakes it, and it falls down into the fire. He didn't even didn't even... Look like he felt any effects. Now he didn't grab the snake and run around the fire and, and do stupid things. He just got rid of the snake, uh, kept the fire going, and that was the end of it. That's what that scripture means. I remember being in a cave once and uh, I had gone in the entrance and it, it was so, so narrow the passage, I was on my back and the, the ceiling was right here. And I was pushing with my feet. To go deeper into the cave, and suddenly I felt something down on my leg and it was coming up. And I was trying to look down. It was a big rattlesnake. Crawls up my leg, my side, stops here and looks at me, goes right up and out the entrance. <laughs> That's what that scripture means. Now, if I'd have cussed the snake out or tried to hit it with a rock, he probably would have bit me. He had passion, too. He had a passion to live, right? How many of you know God loves you? He knows everything you've done, and he forgives you. Some of you cheated on your mates. Some of you have stolen things. I think I told you the other day I ministered to a guy that was in the Mexican Mafia, and he, he had killed eight men. He lives right here in town. doesn't matter who he is, but I'm telling you that God has the power to heal even that. You say, well, why didn't he go down and turn himself in? Well, that's between him and God. But I know that God Loves you, that's what I know. As you take a moment or two to think about these two scriptures I just read read you, what are some of the things that come to your mind? Let me give you some examples. How do you see your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in light of those two scriptures? Number one. Number two, what is it in a person's life that could cause them to lose their first love or become lukewarm after being filled with zeal and a passion for the Lord and his kingdom? What what chases you away? What comes and drives a wedge between you and him? Is it the cares of the world? Is it is it because you want to go back and partake in some of those things you were doing before you met him? Sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. What was it that causes? What is it that causes a person who once burned with a fervent intensity that produced a hot fire within their souls and spirits and ignited, and it ignited others with this same level of fervency to go out? Excuse me, what causes the fire to go out? Man, after I gave my heart to the Lord on that couch that, that night, I was telling everybody I could find about Jesus. And. Can I be honest with you? Most of them didn't like it. Most of them would, were wishing I'd just shut my mouth. A couple of them said, what brought that up? I thought we were talking about baseball. I know this. You'll talk about the things you love. You'll tell your best friends about the things you love. Amen? Amen? What is passion? I'm going to give you a definition. Passion is the energy of our soul. It is an intense emotion, compelling action. It's a strong devotion to some object, activity, or concept. It's a shared meaning. Passion, fervor, ardor, enthusiasm, and zeal. Let me give you an example. Have you ever... You've been with the Lord a long time and maybe you're driving somewhere in your car not thinking about anything in particular and suddenly the Lord seems to just come inside your car and you're just beginning to weep. You're weeping. You don't even know why. He didn't tell you anything in particular. You just knew he got in the car with you. You knew that he was there to protect you and keep you safe. You knew that he loved you and he wasn't going to change his mind. You knew it. That's passion. Why do people lose their passion? Because sometimes they allow something that's precious to become familiar. Yeah, I've got a Corvette. I'm trying to sell. And I, all my life I thought I gotta have a Corvette. Well, I got a Corvette. I can't get out of it. I can get in it because I fall in it. Right, Scott? But when you're trying to get out of a corvette and you're as big as i am so i'm trying to sell the corvette and i think god's kind of laughing at me uh, i've got it down here at a, par, uh, 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 at a sales lot and so far it hadn't sold Now i took my yellow jeep down there and that sold pretty fast now if you come to say john you still want another corvette no not unless they've been expanded Uh, the inside and made more room for me to sit in there and get a crane so that when I pull up to a parking lot, it can reach over and pull me out of the car, all right? Why do people lose their passion? Some people have a desire for acceptance and approval, and you think if you talk about Jesus, people won't accept you and they won't be approving you, and so you just quit talking about him. Your first love. You won't even mention his name. That's one of the reasons. Here's another one. We live in a society that is passive. We've, we've been conformed in, in, to the world and what the world thinks and what the world wants. And I found this to be true. Apathy, you know, where you don't really care. Apathy increases with age. The older you get, the less you care. That's sad, folks. It needs to be the other way around. Lord, help us. Unrepented sin will destroy your passion. And why don't you repent? Number one, you don't want to. Number two, you like the sin you're involved with. How many of you know there are pastors out there that cheat on their wives? And I can happily and truthfully tell you today I have never cheated on my wife in 50 years, nor will I ever. Why? She's the best already got the best. Why, why would I want to cheat on her? Are you all out there? You have passion? And why do you need your passion restored? Because some of you are slowly sinking into the slew of depression and darkness. You lost your passion for the Lord. You begin to think what you used to think. Is he really there? Where is he? After all, God is asking you to believe in something you've never seen. Remember Jesus walked through a wall? Thomas said, I'll never believe he rose from the dead if I don't see the nail prints in his hands and the scar on his side. And Jesus walked through the wall and Thomas, the doubting Thomas, falls on his knees and says, My Lord and my God, Jesus says, You're blessed because you've seen me and believed. How much more blessed are those who've never seen me but believe? He's talking about you. God's asking a big thing of you. I want you to believe in me, but you won't see me until it's time. I'll tell you one thing. That will indicate to God who really means it. If you really mean it, even though you've never seen him with your eyes, you experience him with your heart. Every day you get up and you feel his presence. You get in the car and he gets in the car with you. You have one of your children has a catastrophe and you know that God's right there beside you and he's holding your hand and he's, he's giving you wisdom so you know how to deal with that catastrophe. That's your God. That's the passion. That's why we've got to stay with him. We don't have any other choice. Where else can you go? You're going to go to Allah and, and, and the Muslims are out there cutting people's throat. Oh, that's really the love of God, isn't it? Jesus... You know them by their fruit. When you see somebody murdering others with no uh, reason or purpose, cutting their throats, that ought to tell you something. You know them by their fruit. What kind of fruit was he talking about? He was talking about love. The Bible says, Press toward the goal for the prize of the uh, upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So there's a goal out there. God says, you go toward my son and you don't stop until you get there. Holding his hand every day. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit is pretty hard to do when a lot of people today don't even know what the spirit is. They think it's a ghost. How many of you have ever seen a ghost? The Bible says God, the Father, is a spirit. No man has seen God at any time and lived. And by the way, that's the reason, one of the reasons that God manifested himself three ways, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's called the Trinity. And the reason you can see Jesus, he's God. He's not only the Son of God, he is God. And the reason you can see him with your eyes and not fall dead is because he clothed himself with the veil, flesh. And by the way, that same uh, idea is why we can't see God in you sometimes. Because your veil, the flesh, is holding him in and hiding him from others. You see how you can turn that around? Oh God, how we love you. I know this. Passion changes lives.
0: Everywhere
1: Paul went, he was able to start a church except one place, Athens. You know why? When he got there, he found a people who were just, they didn't care. They they had lost all their zeal or passion for anything. He tried to tell them about Jesus, and they just yawn and go. He was unable to start a church there, only place. He was so powerful that even when they took him to Rome and, and eventually took him there twice, but he eventually lost his life there. He had shared enough of the passion of Jesus and the Word that even after his death, the church was born in Rome. It became the Catholic Church. No matter what you think of that, it make any difference. The church was born, and it began to spread like wildfire all over that part of of the world and eventually throughout the world. Today, Christianity is the largest religion on the face of the earth. But I got to tell you, Muslims, Islam is quickly approaching. You know, when Mel Gibson made that movie, Passion of the Christ, everywhere they took that movie in the Middle East, to every Arab country, they all said, we'll take it. We want to see it. And those theaters were crammed full of people. And they watched the passion of the Christ. And when they came out of there weeping, you know what they asked for? Does somebody have a Bible? Where can I find a Bible? There's passion in that. There's power in that. And No matter what you think of Mel Gibson, and he's a human, and he's got, he was drinking in and had a, a lot of problems, but he also had a passion for his God. And he created something that will probably uh, last from now on. As a, as a continual witness of what God did and what he continues to do. I want you to know today that if you've lost your passion, you can get it back. But let me tell you something. You've got to be active and you've got to want it back and you've got to do something. And I suggest you, you get alone with God somewhere. Maybe tonight, get somewhere alone, the bathroom, the closet, or wherever you go, Close the door and cry out to your God. You start out by saying, Lord, I repent for losing my passion in the first place. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm also asking you to restore it. I receive it now in Jesus' name. And I pledge to you I'm going to do my very best to stay with you. I mean it. And Lord, please forgive me. I know there will be times that I will fail. But I love you. And I want to continue loving you. And when I see him in the clouds, I want to go. I want to go with him. Maybe I want to go. Nobody? You know, what, you know what Paul called that event? The blessed hope. I know it scares. It particularly scares teenagers. And you can't blame them. They haven't gotten married yet. They haven't had kids yet. They haven't lived their lives yet. Well, you mean he's come on? I, I, I hadn't had a chance to get married and have kids and Listen, it doesn't matter where you are. When that happens, you're going to be the happiest person in the world. Amen? So get your life right with him. Consistent enthusiasm and passion come from within you, rather from being dependent on changing circumstances. Inconsistency confuses, discourages And demotivates. Amen? Let's pray. Right now, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to cry out to your God. I want you to say, God, here I am. Here I am. If you're here this morning, you're not sure you ever, ever even asked Jesus to come into your heart. Raise your hand. I'll pray for you. You don't even know if you have Jesus in your heart. Is there anybody like that? If you're here this morning and you feel like you've lost part or all of your compassion, your passion for the Lord. Raise your hand. Uh, I see two. Come on, be honest. Three, four, five. Oh, there's all, they're all over the place. Okay, put your hands down. Father, I pray for every person that raised their hand this morning. I'm asking you to restore their passion in Jesus' name. May the blood of Jesus come right now and envelop you in the power of Almighty God. And may that blood uh, cleanse you and heal your body from any disease or, or anything that's besetting you. God is interested in you being healthy and filled with joy. Father, we receive it. I want all of you to say, I receive it. In Jesus' name, I receive it. Thank you, Lord. Father. Lord, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Now, before you go, I want you to say this. Dessert auction. Yeah. Now listen, here's what's going to happen. And I need some of you men to go back in in there and help. They're going to bring some tables and put them across here and they're going to put the most luscious-looking dessert you ever saw.
0: There's a peanut butter
1: cake about that big. It was, oh, it was wonderful. All kinds of pies. How many of you like apple pie? My wife, my wife makes one of the best there is. And so would you hang around here till they get it set up, and then John's going to come be your auctioneer, and they're going to sell you some desserts. It's all for a good cause. It's for the ladies' retreat. We have ladies that would like to come, but they, uh, they don't have the money to come. That's what this is for. God bless you. You're dismissed.
0: This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.